I've heard preaching on that, but I don't know that, uh, I don't know there's a lot of things in the book of Ecclesiastes that I'm seeing different. And maybe, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I don't know. But I, I want to invite you to read in chapter 3. We're going to read down through uh, verse number 14. We're not going to deal with all those verses, but there's something. Hey, man, I want to show you. I've got to, I've got to read down through there first. So stand with me, if you will. We'll reverence the reading of the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 1. Uh, to every thing there is a season. In a time... To every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away shoe, uh, stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? We can stop right there before I finish reading. It's almost as if when I read that text, there's things that don't seem like go together. There's, there's things that seem backwards from one another. There, there's, there's things in there that I'm thinking, where would there be a time not to do that? But we're, we're talking about a man named Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, inspired of the Holy Ghost, to pin down some words to show us what happens when a man runs vainly after the things of this world. He'll get to the place that he'll say, all my life was in vain. What, what profit was me to labor and work? Is what he says in verse number nine. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath, here, I think here's the key. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that a man, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, it is the gift of God. Notice, here's what I wanted to read, verse 14. Ain't got a thing to do with my message, but it sure is good. Everybody ought to shout on this. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. <laughs> Ain't you glad his salvation is forever? Amen. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear before him. 
Father, we love you today and pray, God, that you'd help me to dive into these words, Lord, and the word of God. You told us to preach the whole counsel of God. You told us that's our responsibility to expound the whole Bible. You told us not to hold back or call anything. Everything in here is the written, inspired word of God, preserved word of God. Lord, you've, you've given it for us to study. You've given it for us to preach. You've given it that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to every good work. And Lord, I want to do my part. I pray to, to thoroughly furnish everybody that's in this building tonight. Help me to be an encouragement to them. Help me to preach to God that, that I might be an encouragement to sinners, that they might be saved to saints, that they might go on further with thee. Help us, Lord, just to see what it is to serve you and to be thankful for the blessings in our life. Lord, there's something to be said about someone who's content uh, with the earthly possessions, but discontent with their spiritual relation. God, we ought to grow closer and closer and ought to have a desire to go deeper and deeper. Help us, Lord, to see that in these words. We pray for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the Lord would help me for a little while, I want to do a little bit different tonight. I'm going to try to stay or find that gear God wants me at. Uh, but I, I'm interested in just giving briefly an outline of chapter 3. Uh, just an outline of chapter 3. Then we're going to get into the message God's laid upon my heart. If we were to look at chapter 3, write this outside your Bible, pin it down in your notes. I think you'll agree with me when you go back to check it out later. There's a time for everything. We find that in verses 1 through verses 8. There's a time, he says, to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. We could literally say there's a time for everything, but what's amazing is there's a time for everything, and he contrasts 14 different situations that are listed in these few verses. Now, not only is there time for everything, there is toil in everything. He says that in verse 9, and he says it down through verse number 14. He said, look, there's labor, there's involved. You don't just skate through life. If you do, you'll never do anything and never amount to anything. Labor produces travail. You're going to be sore. You're going to be wore out hey, in your life as you get older. The things you've done in your youth and providing for your family, it may catch up with you. There's going to be some labor involved. I'll put it this way. God don't want his people lazy. Amen. When he could have picked anybody to follow Elijah, he picked the man that was plowing the hardest ground. Every one of them rocks was being kicked over to his lane, and he was a plowing man and God let him be a preaching man. Amen. He, he looks, he don't like lazy even among ladies or men say amen. There's toil in everything. There's a time for everything. But I want to say this, there's a tribunal for everything. In verses 15 through 17, he says this, that which hath been is now and that which is to be hath already been and God requireth that which is past. And moreover, watch this, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there in the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. There's a tribunal for everything. Here's what I'm saying. Both the righteous and the wicked will meet with divine judgment. 
the Christian's going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give the account for everything we've done in the body, every word we've said, every thought we've had, whether it be good or bad, which is going to determine our rewards. I'm glad our debt's paid. We're going to heaven. That other crowd is going to be standing before God, and I just put it this way. Unlike earthly courts, there's not going to be no lying and nobody's going to get off. Amen. There's a tribunal for everything. There's toil and everything. There's a time for everything. But we find out in verse 18 through 22, if you was to read it, there is a termination for everything. All, all come to the same end. It's appointed unto man wants to die and after this judgment and everybody believes that ought to say amen right there. Amen. Every one of us is going to die. Every one of us, and we might die instantaneously. Our body will fall away and we'll get a glorified body, but everybody is going to die and everybody says amen right there. There's different categories for different times and events in our life. Briefly notice. In verse number two, there is some parameters of life. He said this, he said, uh, there's going to be a time to be born. In other words, there's a beginning and an ending. He, he gives us the idea there's a, a time to plant and a time to pluck up. In other words, not only is, uh, not only is there parameters of life, there's a, the circumference of our life. There's a time to start and there's going to be a time to die. But there's pursuits in our life. Every single one, everybody in here pursues something. I hope you're seeking him first. Amen. The pursuits of life. You look in verse number four, there's a time to weep. So there's personal emotions. Sometimes nobody don't know when, know when mama's crying. Nobody don't know when daddy's crying. Don't, nobody don't know what's going on. But there's public. There's, pub, there's things seen out in front of other people too. Public emotions. That's that dancing. That's that getting happy. That's what David did. I ain't talking about square dancing in the two-step, by the way. Somebody help me. I tell you what old one old man of God said. One old man of God said, a praying knee and a dancing foot shouldn't be on the same leg. Amen. But if you're going to dance for God, that's when you ought to do your dancing. Hallelujah. Or you want to dance in your house. But the, the point is, there's things you do in public. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. He went a bit shame. So there's pursuits in life, personal emotions, public emotions. Then look in verse 5 and 6. And here, here's the thing. Here, here's, here, here's the thing that kind of they're kind of broke down in verses 5 and 6 there's collecting and then there's a discarding look in the first part of verse 5 there's a time to cast away there's a cast away there's pleasures in life there's prosperities in life there's uh, there's things that are practical in life and it seems weird there's casting away stones and a time to gather up I'll get to it in just a minute uh, but notice this a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing and verse 6 says there's a time to get and a time to lose in other words it's, it's almost like it's almost like the merchant is getting and if he's not watching he's going to lose uh, but then there's the miser and he's going to keep it and he's going to end up losing it in the end. I, I like what one man of God said. I, I think it was Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, the only thing I realized in all my life I've actually kept is what I gave and surrendered to God. That's the only thing you're going to get to keep for eternity anyway. Amen. And verse number, do y'all see, there's, there's a list here. And, and uh, man, I, I, I've never preached on this list. 
But I think it needs to be dealt with. There's things that we got to go with that goes on in our life. There's pursuits, there's practical, there's, there's properties of life, things we embrace, things we stay away from. Man, we need to stay away from them. Don't need to embrace everything. Everybody say amen right there. There's some people you need to hug and some people you need to never hug. I, I'll never forget one. I'll, I'll just say this little side note. This rabbit jumped out of the bush, so I want to kill it right quick and skin it and hang it on the wall, and then we'll keep going. My wife said this girl come into church one day, and my wife said, don't, don't shake her hand. Don't have nothing to do with her. I said, honey, you just met her. How, what's wrong with her? And she said, don't do it. There's something about that girl. And sure enough, there's something about that girl. Listen, your wife tells you, man, stay away. They, there's something about that women's intuition. They know. They know. Hey, I, I, I learned right then. My wife says, warning, warning. I'm going to pay attention. They, that woman, she does not need to be embraced. I refrain from embracing. You follow me? And verse number seven and eight, there's a time for uniting. And then there's a time for dividing. He said, there's a time to rent and a time to sow. There's a, a time of, verse number eight, there's a time of war and a time of peace. Verse seven, time to rent, time to sow. Time to keep silent, time to speak. It's almost like there's passions of life. Every one of us have some kind of passion. Every one of us. I, I thought about when I see that rending and sowing, I'm thinking about daughters and mamas. When I think about peace and war, I'm thinking about sons and fathers. This, this list here, the Holy Ghost has seen fit for Solomon to write down a list. I think he's like got a warning sign out there saying, listen, don't run after the things of this world. Don't go, you're not going to find the, the passion you have for it. It's vanity and vexation of spirit. I, the, you think you find pleasure there. It's vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything that you, listen, the, the particulars of life are the precious things that revolve around the things of God. Here's what, here's what I think. I believe there is a, a spiritual application throughout this list, not only a, a literal thing, but a, a spiritual thing. I'm going to say this. Some things seem weird. I mentioned it just a little bit earlier. I, I preached on Genesis 38 one time. Genesis 38 is weird. It's in an odd place in the Bible. I mean, we're talking about Joseph's life. We find out he's sold by his brothers. We find out he gets sold in, into hands of uh, the Ishmaelites, sell him into the other hands. He eventually gets over to Potiphar's house. He gets lied on by uh, Potiphar's wife. Amen. That shows you what you ought to do when some woman's trying to get you tied up in a mess. Just run. Tuck your tail and run. Don't stand there and prove what kind of good man you are. Run. Amen. And he ran and he got lied on. He went to prison for sins he didn't do. He got brought out of prison. Amen. Thank God. He got a place right beside Pharaoh, right underneath Pharaoh. And God used him to save the whole known world. And, and we're learning about all of that in those chapters in Genesis. And here comes Genesis 38. Right in the middle of talking about Joseph's life, we find out about Thamar laying with her daddy-in-law and having two kids. That's the oddest place to put that text except for the message, Lord, let me preach on it. I think he does that sometimes to catch our attention. 
I, I don't know why some things look weird. I, I, I believe there is a comprehensive list. I believe there are some things that we can learn, but they some things that strange. I'll give you an example. He says in verse 5, to cast away stones and then to gather stones. I, I, the only application I can find, that's got to be about building stuff. That's got to be about building a life. We've built our own life before we got saved. And God had to tear us down and, and then rebuild us and make us a new creature. There had to be some stuff carried away from our life, stuff cast away, and then some stuff brought in. Amen. I, I thank God for God doing that. It seems strange, but it's, it's not just that. In other words, God's got to remove the rubbish to build us, amen, as a part of the bride and body of Christ. Amen. There's a lot of times things are switched around. Uh, everything in here is listed in pairs. There's 14 pairs in this list. Twice, twice the biblical number of perfection or completeness. There's 14. That's seven and seven. I mean, again, I'm trying, not trying to make a lot out of the number, but it is amazing uh, that there is something perfect and complete and can round our life off and complete us and perfect us if we can get a hold of these 14 pairs. Now, besides their literal meanings, I've said it before, I believe they spiritual meanings that establish truths about Calvary and about New Testament reality. I believe that we learn in the first, if we look at this list, uh, there's a lot of things that can be seen. I think, first of all, we're going to try to get to it in just a minute. There's three things that we see about Christ in our 14 pairs. I think there's three things, three attributes of who he is that we see in our text. I won't re-preach what I did this morning, but there is a lot that can be said about adding a letter or removing a letter in words and in our life. Think about it. I, I, I'll just say this. When we see this text, most of the time, we just run right through it. We say, well, there ain't nothing there much for us, and we just go on down the road. But you got to remember, church, things are not always as they appear in this Bible. In fact, in fact, at looking at Christians, things are not always as they appear. I, 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 I've known a preacher and a preacher's wife. I would have thought... Man, nobody, everybody will divorce before that crowd. And they're divorced right now. They're, things are not always like they seem. And I'm talking in the Bible, in the biblical sense, good. I'm going to give you an example. If you go to Acts chapter 16, you see Paul and Silas inside that prison. If you're looking from the outside in, that looks bad. Would you all agree with that? Here's two preachers. And they're in jail. That looks like guilt, but it's really grace. Because when the jailhouse starts rocking before Elvis ever was born, <laughs> amen, there's some things going to happen, and we know they're there not because of guilt. They're there because of the grace of God. It looks like solitude. It looks like they're all by themselves, but the Lord's in there with them, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It looks like the end, but it's actually the beginning. Amen. It looks like misery, 
But at midnight, they have camp meeting and go to shouting and singing and praising God. It looks like failure, but they're right where God wants them at. I believe that that, that Philippian jailer, I believe that them Philippian uh, people in that prison, I believe that on the way to Philippi, probably Lydia and some other women on the way there, I believe that woman that was possessed of the devil, I believe all them people was in the church at Philippi. And it started because that church was started and planted because there was some men. And if you'd have looked from the outside in, you'd have said guilty, you'd have said bad, you'd have said they in the wrong place at the wrong time. And y'all know why they ended up in there anyway. It's because they cast that devil out of that girl and that crowd got mad because they couldn't make no money no more. They weren't doing nothing but preaching Jesus. Amen. And what I'm saying, things happen bad in your life. That's not because God's against you. That's not because he's a, hey man, he's out for you. It might look bad, but things ain't always like they appear. There's some goody in every verse in this Bible. Would y'all agree with me? Amen. Amen. <laughs> when all is said and done, here's just, I just want you to think about this as I get in the message. When everything is said and done, look at verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Go back to verse 1. To everything there is a season. Them two verses tie in the whole list. 11 is after the list. One is before the list. He said, look, everything, there's a season. Hey, we go through seasons in our life. I was talking to a man today at the house. He come by. He was a missionary in Vermont. Now he's living over in the Baptist camp and, and doing some work. And, and a good man, he, he and, his, and his mom and his dad put all the sheetrock up in his church. A, a, good, a good guy a good brother, and he said they used to live in Vermont. He said in, in, in Vermont there's four seasons. He said there's a winter. He said there's a spring. There's a summer. There's a fall. And I said, yeah, that's for we have. He said, yeah, but there's one more. There's a fifth one. I said, well, what, what is it? He said it's called mud season. He said, when everything falls out, he said, it's dusty, it's mud, every dirt road you can't get nowhere. Here's what I'm saying. If, if you don't watch it, you'll think, my God, I can't get, I'm in nothing but mud. I'm in over my head. I'm in the deepest rut. I feel like I'm coughing up dust. I ain't getting nowhere. Everybody else is going miles ahead. They're preaching everywhere. They're singing everywhere. They're running everywhere. Why am I left in the dust? Hey, but I want you to know, hey, there's a season for everything and there's a season for everybody and you got to remember verse 11 that God is ordering this thing. Uh, he is ordering the circumstances, even the negative ones. He's ordering everything in your life and the Bible says in verse number 11, He hath made everything beautiful in His time. You may say, preacher, not, not what's going on in my life. There ain't nothing pretty about it. But I want you to know, you can't help but see the sovereignty, number one, of God. you got to get to the place you can trust God. 
You see, it, there's a contrast here. There's a beginning, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which has been planted. Hey, man, that plucking and planting also speaks uh, of creating and destroying. And sometimes God's got to do that in our life. But what you have to do, uh, this list displays the sovereignty of God. When you don't understand the morning times, when you don't understand the weeping times, hey, man, and again, again, let me just emphasize what I said earlier this morning. The only difference, amen, between sunshine in your life and darkness in your life, between M-O-U-R-N, mourn, and M-O-R-N, mourn, the only difference is you. You're not looking at it from the right perspective. Hey, God says he's going to make everything beautiful in his time, church. I, I'm saying you don't understand it, but you've got to learn to trust God. You've got to trust Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God. Amen. Got to live for him, church, no matter what. Thank God. He said, I've seen the travail which God hath given, verse 10, to the sons of men to be exercised in it. See, God's told us there's an exercise. There's something we got to do. We've got to live our life every day for the glory of God. We got to live it, amen, and we've got to stay motivated. We've got to stay full of Holy Ghost. We've got to stay on fire for God no matter what conditions of life we enter in. We've got to trust God with everything. Everything, the negative and the positive, everything works together. But then notice this, not only do we need to trust Him as sovereign over this list and over the seasons of our life and over the weeping times of our life, over the laughing times of our life, over the morning times of our life, over the times that dance, over the time to cast stuff out and to gather stuff in, over all this time to get, a time to lose. How many in here have ever lost anything? I, I don't know if anybody in here has ever experienced this. How many of you have lost everything before? You ever lost everything? I mean, didn't have nothing down to nothing, and God's picked you out. Hey, I just want to let you know, God will take care of you. He's brought you back from nothing. And before I forget it, when he found you, when you was lost, you was nothing anyway. And God took nothing, and he's made something out of it. We've got to learn to trust God. I'm talking about hard times, bad situations. Family does you wrong. Friends do you wrong. So-called church folk do you wrong you've got to keep on keeping on for the glory of God don't focus on, on that stuff like God's forgot about you it's for your purpose that he's doing it amen remember he works everything beautiful according to his time not our time but his time I, I, I'll, I'll just say this I won't mention no names uh, but I shared with me earlier shared with me earlier about somebody he'd been talking to here's what he said he said, uh, I, I told him, I said, man, what you need to do is pray about it. But God will help you out of your situation. He said, I have been praying, but God don't answer my prayers. God don't hear my prayers. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. The only reason, God hears your prayers. God hears everything. He knows everything. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayers. Watch this. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You can't expect God to you can't expect God to let you in on the fact that He hears you. You can't expect God to give you an answer when you're running a hundred miles an hour in the opposite direction. You're gonna have to get right with God and trust God in spite of what's going on around you. If everybody around you quits, you're gonna have to keep going. 
one for God. Hey, man, we've got to learn to trust God and His sovereignty. We can't control this. Let me just ask you this. Could, could, you, could you control who, what family you was born in? Could you control the place you was born? Could you control? Well, hey, I'll tell you that you can't. According to Ecclesiastes, over in about chapter 4, uh, there's a time the Bible says you can shorten your days. But God even knows when you're going to die. Hey, I'm just going to let you know. Uh, you couldn't determine the time of your start and God knows the time of your end. He knows everything in between and he says when it concerning all of your times there's a season. Hey, sometimes it's in season. Sometimes it's out of season. But God works all things beautiful in his time. Ain't you glad it ain't up to us? Hey, looking back there's some things I thought God should have done quicker. I sure am glad he did didn't do quicker. I'm sure glad God didn't answer my prayer. There's times I pray stuff. I'm so glad God's sovereignty overruled my stupidity. I say hallelujah for trusting God's sovereignty. I, I, I wasn't planning on mentioning this when I, I'm going to. I love that Proverbs over there in Proverbs. It talks about ants and and man, I, I love preaching on them ants and them rabbits and Amen. And I love preaching on them locusts. And I don't know if y'all know this about locusts. And there's, you could debate me afterwards if you want to, but you ain't going to change my mind. I've done, done too much research. I, I, this is what I found out. They do flap their wings. They can fly about 20 to 40 feet, uh, but that's the max they can do. They've got to have the wind. That's the Holy Ghost to take them from point A to point B. Somebody say Amen. They ain't no head of the locusts. There's not a num numero uno. There's no king of locusts that tells them where to go. Hey, man, the wind blows them. God's sovereignty moves them from point A to point B. That's how we ought to realize. We ought to just trust God. When God told Abraham, leave them heathens that you've been raised around and go and follow me. And, and he didn't ask him, am I going to have a job when I get there? Where am I going to live? And Sarah didn't say, well, how are we going to take care of our family? They packed the bags left. Somebody say amen. They trusted that God was going to take care of them. Them ants, they don't have a university to go to. There's not There's not the Florida University of schooling ants, but somehow or another there's some innate there's an innate creator that taught them ants. There's a time that they need to store up. And, and, and I, I know I might have already said this uh, before and preached this uh, but you know it's amazing about them ants. They know when to gather and they know when to store. Do you know that there's a certain kind of ant that gets a certain kind of beetle and, and this beetle produces a milk and, and, and they actually store these beetles in underground dairy farms and milk them. And I ain't never heard nothing like that. It's amazing what them who taught them to do that. They just something inside. What what causes a rabbit to run for the rocks? Some people say, "Well, preacher, what causes a badger? I don't care what you call. What causes them to run for the rock? They something inside says they safety in the rock. Hey, I, I, what I'm saying is there's safety in the rock, uh, and they somebody guiding us. And, and and what you need to quit doing is quit telling that voice that's speaking to you that scriptural and that spirit that's guiding you biblically quit telling it to be quiet mind the Holy Ghost trust the sovereignty of God everybody say amen right there God wants you to amen but not only that do we see in this list that we need to trust in his sovereignty but number two we see him displayed as the savior 
You say, preacher, where's that at? I see Calvary in these verses. There's a bunch of them, but I'm just going to point out one. Look at verse 3. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. Hey, I, I, he was crucified by the hands of wicked men, but he, was, he, was, he died ordained by the Father. Amen. By wicked hands, they crucified him. They killed the king of glory. And the Bible said, Peter's preaching that crowd said, God raised him up, the prince of life. Amen. Hey, listen, here's what I'm saying. The only killing that could bring healing is Christ on the cross. Hey, man, that's the only killing that can bring healing. If he's in verse 3, he's in every verse. I'm glad he plucks us up, and I'm glad he planted y'all right here. I'm glad he plucked Bethany up from Tennessee and planted her in South Carolina. I'm glad that, hey, man, thank God. Everywhere, there's a time to weep and get humble, but there's a time to kick it up, put your smile on, and shout her out. They sometimes you need to shut up and be silent and pray to God when the devil can't even hear. And then they sometimes you need to speak and share the good news. That's the cross. It's Jesus. It's the gospel. Even in Ecclesiastes chapter number three, we see him as a savior, amen. And chapter number three, we see him as a sovereign. We see him as a savior. Matter of fact, you can say it like this. Amen. Even the gospel preacher is saying in that killing and healing. Because it's his job, if you got preachers worth their salt, they ought to be preaching, amen, with that law, and that law kills people, amen, and that grace saves people, amen. Hey man, you got, you got to confront them with their sin. They got to see their need for a Savior. That word of God, amen. Hey man, it's precious. Thank God we see him as Savior. There ought to be some th- stuff broke down. Isn't that what happened to us when we, was, uh, when we was a sinner? God broke us down and broke us down. We got miserable doing what we used to do. We got to thinking, is there not more to life than this? We got to the place, man, we were miserable doing the things we'd always done. But God broke us down in conviction. Amen. And brought us down to the altar and raised us up. And now we're a part. I said it this morning in my prayer. We're a part of a building that'll never be destroyed. We're a part of a bride that'll never be divorced. We're a part of a body that will never decay. Hey, church, we are the body of Christ. That's something to shout about. Amen. Thank God we see him as Savior. Amen. Boy, ain't it good that preacher points them to the blood of Jesus that raises them up. Amen. Plants them over in the church. and Thank God. Plucks them up. That which is planted and sends them out to preach the gospel. Be missionaries around the world. Amen. Thank God. There's a time to weep when we was under conviction. Thank God when we got saved, peace go well in their heart. There's a time to laugh and a time to be full of joy. Amen. It was a sure enough, a time to mourn over other sinners and a time to dance. I'm telling you, you can see him as sovereign. You can see him as Savior. But then, lastly, you can see him as servant. We find out right here, brother, we see him as servant. Look over here. Look over in Titus chapter 2 right quick. Look in Titus chapter 2 right quick. I love over here in the book of Titus. We was over there, chapter 2 this morning during Sunday school. Look what the Bible says. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good work. We see him a servant. Amen. We always 
You say, preacher, how do you see him as servant? Because we always find him faithful, abiding through every season and every situation of mankind. It don't matter what season we're in, he's there. It don't matter how bad we are, how sad we are, how mad we are, how low we are. I'm glad he's always there. Amen. Thank God for him being the servant. Hey, the Titus reminds us of that. Matter of fact, you notice that little word peculiar. He, he saved us that we should be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I love that little word peculiar. Amen. Thank God. If, if I had a, a, a blackboard up here, I'd show you what that peculiar means. But here, here's what it means. That dot, and then there's a circle around that dot. And uh, amen, that, 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 that is the word peculiar. It carries this idea. Amen, that word peculiar carries this, uh, carries this thought. It, it not only means a dot, amen, and that dot being the soul that saved and the circle around that dot, amen, is the Lord. It means he is, that dot is precious to the circle. That, that being that dot, being peculiar, that dot being in the center of that circle, nothing out outside of the circle which is God can get to the dot which is us unless it first comes through the circle because he's purified unto himself a peculiar people. Peter put it like this, we're precious in the Lord's eyes. Amen. Thank God. We're precious to him. Amen. It's a precious place. It's a place of performance. He's wanting us to have good works. Amen. It's a place of purity. He's purified unto himself. It's a place of possession. This word peculiar means to own for yourself. It's a place of protection. Nothing can get to us. No temptation can come at us. That he won't deliver us from. No trial can invade us in our life that we can't get out of. I think what I'm saying is it's God in his wisdom plans and tests and limits and God in his wisdom and in his grace meets the test overcomes and thank God gives us peace to keep on shouting. Ecclesiastes shows us he's sovereign shows us he's a savior shows us he's a servant but he shows us he's a supporter There'll never be a time when he won't be there for you. There'll never be a time when you won't turn around and see him there. Oh, it don't matter how dark and how bad the storm is. Look around. You'll see Jesus somewhere. Amen. In all these seasons and in all the times of your life, it's God that worketh. And so I, I was reading the other day and came across this little text in my daily reading in Psalms, and I think it was Psalm 121. Except the Lord keep the house, they labor in vain. And except the Lord keep the, the watchman waketh but in vain. In other words, you can watch and be the best watchman. You can work and be the best builder. But if God don't build it and God don't keep it, all your labor and all your waking hours are all in vain. It's going to have to be God that puts your home together and keeps your home together. It's going to have to be God that keeps your kids safe. Mama, eventually, they got to get out of the house. 
Daddy, eventually they're going to have to leave. You can't, you can't keep, I want to, I shelter them at all I can, as long as I can from what I can. Eventually, we can't shelter them from everything. They're going to be exposed to stuff, and we're going to have to trust God that he's sovereign, that he's Savior, that he's a servant, and just like he's been with us in every single season and in every single time in our life, look around. I thought about y'all, Brother Dale. I, I want to use y'all as a great example. Example. I thought about Dale and Misty, and they, and they lost it all, and over there, and about lost to some of their children. And now, every single one of them saved, and they sung the song because Mama was going to be at the house of God in awful work Sunday night. He sure has done everything beautiful in his time. There's bad times and ugly times, and we wouldn't have wanted them, and we wouldn't have voted for them, and we wouldn't have signed up for them, but God had to use that. So when and that little girl lifts her hand and thanks God for saving her soul. We'll remember when God saved her from a real fire, that he saved her from hell fire. And God had to, to take us through some hardships and grind us on the milestone just so we'd realize that he does everything beautiful and we wouldn't want all the bad. And if we had our choice, we'd get rid of the bad and keep the good. But that's what's beautiful about it. It's God used that stuff to purify us and make us more special and precious in his eyes and effective in the world's eyes. God does everything in this list to prove us once again. He's sovereign. He's savior. He's servant. He'll always be there. Amen. He's a, he's a supporter no matter what you go through. Ain't you glad he is who he said he is? And thought about this. Thing gets bad. Ecclesiastes 4, if you reach up in the 4. Man falls by himself. The Bible says over in Ecclesiastes, talks about a man falling. And he says, man, how sad it is when a man falls and nobody's there to pick him up. But Christ flipped that thing. There was nobody there when he died at Calvary. Hey, man, and he picked himself up three days later. Man, I'm telling you, you think, preacher, man, I ain't no way I'm going to make it through this. Hey, man, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it. I, I just don't think, I don't think I can do it. I'm bad about sticking my foot in his mouth. He wrote about you, too, in Ecclesiastes 5. Hey, man, keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they, they consider not that they do evil. This is where we get to saying, hey, I put my foot in my mouth. Hey, I've done it too. Hey, he wrote all about us. Everything in this book is showing our failures, our imperfections, and all the way at the end of the book, Solomon come to the conclusion that he's sovereign, that he's Savior, that he's a faithful servant, and that he'll support me through every trial. The conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. You don't know what the will of God for your life is? Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Trust God in every season, in everything. He works everything out. All the different ins and outs, ups and downs. I thought about this, and it's in a different message 
places, but I thought about this when I was, I, when I was studying and it brought me back to Ecclesiastes. Uh, you, you remember over there in the scripture in Isaiah where it talks about, uh, it talks about the valleys has got to be uh, filled up and the hills has got to be brought down uh, and then to make the way for the Lord. I thought about, boy, ain't that what God does? He fills up the holes in our life and get, knocks us off the high horses of our life and, and makes a way for the Lord to get. And, and that's what seasons are. I, that's what th we go through. I, I don't know why. I, I wish we was all millionaires. I wish all our bills was paid. I wish we supported 5,000 missionaries. I wish we had 16 buildings. I wish we had a, a building over there for them. I just, I don't, I just wish we had this and paid off and a brand new fellowship hall for the ladies with a commercial kitchen and a hood. Man, that would be a blessing. I'm praying it'll happen. I'm still got vision and all God's people say we're believing that. I mean, we're wanting to see this church fill and all God's people say. And, and that wall's made to move out. We can move it back. Hey, man, we could add a balcony in there, but it's better off. We could just move it all the way back to the bathroom. That's not a supporting wall built that way so we could get bigger. How many of y'all believe God can do it? I, 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 listen, we go through ups and downs. Uh, people comes in it. But listen, don't quit. Trust God. He's sovereign. Why don't you trust Him today with all your heart? Quit leaning on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. What did He say, Brother Tony? He shall direct thy paths. Uh, he will guide you. Amen. Trust Him, didn't you? Ain't you glad He saved you? You didn't do nothing to earn salvation. God did it freely, fully, and finally. Hey, don't you trust Him to be there faithful? He's a faithful servant. He'll never quit on you. He'll never abandon ship. He'll stick with you till the end and he'll support you. And though we fall, we shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth us with his hand. Let's stand. Father, we love you today.